Garrison and Toth presents The Shift with Jack Johnson on ESPN Kansas City, 1510 AM and 94.5 FM. We are back with another edition of The Shift on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN Kansas City. I'm your host, Jack Johnson, alongside producer Jake Gutierrez. It may be a quick turnaround, but we're already going to be looking ahead to the 2024 season in today's show for the Kansas City Chiefs. There's only so much you can dive into in one football game. Now, it was an entertaining football game. It was the most viewed broadcast that we'd ever seen. So, so much for people not watching. Uh, That was a game that absolutely lived up to the hype. Chiefs get their second straight Super Bowl victory, their third in five years, and their fourth overall. And now the talk all offseason will be, can they have a three-peat? Can they be the first team in NFL history to get back to the Super Bowl again for a third straight year and win it? Well... I think talent-wise, we know now they're going to be good enough to. They will absolutely have the quarterback and the coach to get them to the Super Bowl. Some luck is going to have to play into it. Um, I would say being on the right side of the bracket, although you could rebuttal that and say, well, this year they were absolutely on the wrong side of the bracket and still found a way to win it. I mean, they weren't gifted any luck by any opponent they faced like they were in you know, 2019, 2020, getting Houston and Tennessee at home in the postseason. New England not getting the one seed last year. They get a, a spunky Jacksonville team in the divisional round instead of Justin Herbert and the Chargers. This year, there was no gimmies. Miami was their only gimme, and they had the second-best offense in the NFL. So you could refute my saying of, well, they got to have an easier path by saying, well, this year – the team wasn't as talented, or at least the offense wasn't as talented. They went on the road twice and beat the number one seed in the NFC. So I could get that side of it, but I do have this sense that the way this offseason is going to go, A, the wide receiver room is going to be replenished. I think they're going to try to add a few pieces there. You have Rashi Rice. I'd imagine you're going to use a first-round pick on a wide receiver and then go out there and get yourself a wide receiver, unless... You want to use your first-round pick on a tackle this year to replace Donovan Smith. I could see that as well. But I do think they want to give Patrick Mahomes more help than he had this year. I don't see them going into the offseason just wanting to run run back the same group offensively. They'd love to do it with the defense. Just going to be a lot tougher. We know LeJarius Sneed, your number one cornerback, and Chris Jones, your number one defensive player, are going to be very, very expensive. The good news is... They've approached a scenario like this before, where they had a big-time star, a big-time player, wanting a big-time contract, and they traded Tyreek Hill and turned that into, who was it, Trent McDuffie? And also into, who was the later pick in that draft as well? Because they already had the Karloftis pick, but they got Trent McDuffie, or they packaged the pick to go get Trent McDuffie. Was it Williams? It might have been. It might have been Williams. I... I can't remember off the top of my head, but I do know that they got Trent McDuffie from that deal. So you look at it and say, with Chris Jones, you trade Chris Jones away if you franchise tagged him and then traded him. If he still wanted to be the most expensive defensive player in the game, and you could get a pretty decent return. Does the defense get worse? Absolutely. Pass rush gets worse. But if you're going to be able to pay him, then you're probably not going to Pay Legarius Sneed. You're probably not going to be able to go after a number one wide receiver. You've got money to spend this offseason, but it's about making sure you have even more. Um, I think this offense needs to be overhauled a little bit. Defensively, though, I think you got to put faith in the young guys that you have. Um, it would not shock me if Chris Jones is to be flipped that the Chiefs try to go after an immediate replacement and nose tackle because you can run back the majority of your defensive line. You'll have Carl Loftus. Um, I know that Charles O'Menehue is going to be out for quite some time, but maybe you could roll back with Mike Dana. Uh, Felix Enrique Uzama is going to have some sort of rotational uh, spot on this team. Turk Ward, Malik Herring, those are all depth pieces that you can keep on the defensive line, but you are going to need that star center piece uh, if you're going to have as good of a defense as you did have. Sky Moore. 
Skymore was who they had, so it wasn't, <laughs> wasn't Williams. So I think they thought Skymore was going to be that wide receiver to replace some of the production Tyreek Hill left, but not the case. Still, they got an all-pro cornerback in Trent McDuffie. We know in some spots, more, mostly cornerback, and I would say mostly let's go lineman, offensive lineman. Brett Veach excels in that category. Wide receivers, not so much. Running backs, Pacheco's one, Clyde was the other one. So kind of hit and miss there. Uh, but this segment is not about oh, do they keep Chris Jones, do they not LeJarrius Sneed. None of that is going to be dove into today. I'll probably wait closer to when free agency opens up. What I wanted to take a look at today is who's going to stand in the way of the Chiefs of a third Super Bowl. Who right now is on my power rankings to dethrone the Kansas City Chiefs as the two-time defending Super Bowl champions? And I think it's important to do a segment like this because last year, I think it was easy to you know kind of jump on the side of the field. Like we talked about yesterday, I would say right now, majority of betters in Vegas are not going to be taking the Chiefs to have a three-peat. They'll be taking the field just because of the odds on it. It's never happened before. However, it's bound to happen sometime, right? Eventually, we're going to have a three-peat. We had it in the NBA. We had it in the in Major League Baseball with the Yankees. Late 90s, early 2000s. They nearly had a four-peat for that matter. To me, though... I think you have to approach this offseason a little bit differently. And we discussed it all season long of the stakes this offseason if the Chiefs were to win with that team and that group. Not to use the saying in Moneyball where Brad Pitt, portraying Billy Bean, said, you know, if we win with this team, with this budget, we'll change the game. I don't think it's anywhere near uh, the same because the Chiefs still have very expensive players on their roster. But I think the Chiefs mentally uh, know that with whoever they got, no matter what flaws they have in the regular season, they are the toughest out in the postseason. It's it's nearly impossible to slay them in the postseason. They've shown it back-to-back years. I mean, the fact that they haven't lost a playoff game in two years is absurd. And that playoff loss was in overtime against the Cincinnati Bengals, the eventual AFC champions. Now, that's the last time they've lost a playoff game. Patrick Mahomes has only lost three playoff games. He's 15-3 and three in the playoffs. He is 3-1 and one in Super Bowls. And the one loss, he didn't have a starting offensive line. They were all backups and got ravaged by Tampa Bay. But those are making excuses, and I don't need to be doing that for this segment. To me, this is about accurately assessing really who is the toughest opponent for the Chiefs in the postseason. And this is going to be a tougher segment than you think. Um, I think the average fan would say, well, Baltimore. Lamar's coming off an MVP season. They're not going to lose many players. Uh, They're still relatively young. That receiving core is going to get even better. Running back room is going to be healthier. They are absolutely going to be in contention for the number one seed. However... I would throw out the argument of Cincinnati's going to be healthier. You know, Cincinnati kind of gifted Baltimore first place in that division because they were never healthy and Joe Burrow never was. Joe Burrow wasn't healthy from the time that he pulled up Gimpy in training camp. He tried to play through it early on in the season. He was not really the same, and then he hurt a different part of his body. Because you're overcompensating in one area. Now, that was more of a freak injury. I think it was a hand injury. It hit a helmet or you threw something. Something popped. It was not good. But the AFC North is a gauntlet of a division. It always has been. It's been one of the toughest divisions out there. You had two playoff teams. Could have been three if the Bengals, you know, grabbed one more win with Jake Browning somewhere along the way. Maybe beating Pittsburgh. You know, one of those times they got swept by the Steelers and and I think it was Kenny Pickett and then it was Mason Rudolph. Now that Cincinnati team could have been in the postseason. There's three. So Baltimore to me is not a shoe in. And I bring up the argument of Baltimore had the one seed this year. They were pretty much healthy the entire year except for that running back room. They had the best defense. I don't know how I could look at them in the face and say, well, Even if they're on the road, they're going to have a good chance. If the Chiefs get the one seed next year, I imagine they're going to be playing in the Super Bowl again. 
I'd imagine they would. I don't think I'd have an argumentative point to go against that. You know, I look at the AFC East. Yeah, I could say Buffalo is going to be there, but uh, Jake, let's start it off here. Are are you still believing in Buffalo? I don't think I can. I, I think that what we discussed before that Buffalo game was if Buffalo doesn't win it now, they really never will. Now, we also said, I believe it was you that said, hey, there's a long time left in the careers of Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. Eventually, you would think, just like how Manning eventually nipped Brady in one of those playoff games, he's going to get him. But to me, I almost think it's just 100% mental. We may have seen the last Buffalo and Kansas City matchup in the postseason. I doubt it, but you never know. You can't predict the future. I just don't know if I can go into this offseason sold that they are a top three contender to dethrone the Chiefs. I don't think I can. Well, here, here's my question to you. Would you rather face Lamar Jackson in the Ravens or Josh Allen in the Buffalo Bills? I mean, that Depending on location? Yeah. I mean, say it's at home. I think I think the way that Baltimore game went, I'd say right now I would take Baltimore at Arrowhead than I would Buffalo. So there's your answer for that. Um, we know that Joe Burrow can beat. So I think I think the Bengals, now their offseason is going to be mighty interesting. They're probably mm-hmm. going to lose T. Higgins, which, yep. you know, uh, that changes that, that, that offense quite drastically when you take that that type of a weapon off the opposite side of Chase. But we do know, I think the Bengals have to be at the top of the list because there's only been two quarterbacks to beat Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs, and that's Tom Brady, who's not playing anymore, and and Joe Burrow. So I think that that team has to be at the top of your list because that's the only guy that's proven not only can he beat the Chiefs in the playoffs, but he can come into Arrowhead and beat the Chiefs. I'm going to pull up right now Cincinnati's 2024 schedule. Because uh, I do believe, even if these teams play before Week 10, I got to know what that schedule looks like before I, I would expect them to be back in the spot. Because I, I am curious how Joe Burrow will look. Well, it's going to be an easier schedule than the Ravens, and it's going to yes. be an easier schedule than the Bills. True. They will have, of course, all their AFC North opponents. They will get the AFC West this year. So they'll get the Raiders and Denver at home. They'll get Philadelphia at home. They will have to play at Kansas City, at the Chargers. They will have to play at Dallas this year. It is a relatively soft schedule because they've also got Washington at home. They've got, looks like, the Giants on the road, Carolina on the road, New England at home, and Tennessee on the road. So, I mean, I I think that, that team has to be at the top of your list. Um now it'll be interesting to see what what do the Pittsburgh Steelers do at quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm fascinated for that too. They they right now Pickett is their only quarterback on their roster. Mason Rudolph is a free agent, and they released Mitchell Trubisky. Um, now there are rumors out there that Mike Tomlin loves Josh Fields. You could also put the idea of um, you know Russell Wilson possibly. Um, none of those quarterbacks really scare me. Um, but we're talking about the AFC North here, the, the, what team's going to contend. I mean, it's a, that, that, that's the best division in the AFC. Yep. Um, for me, in my opinion. Because you're still talking about the Browns. Where the, I mean, what the Browns look like, you know, with Watson at quarterback. I mean, those are four solid possible, you know, you know legitimate top two or three, you know, Top two or three, one, two or three seeds in in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Very possible. All four of those teams. Um, and I think Zach Taylor showed me a whole lot about his coaching ability, doing what he did with with Jake Browning. Um, so I mean, but go back to circle back around to to what you're talking about here, and who is going to contend for the AFC, right? And I think the top contender probably comes out of that division whether it be the Ravens mm-hmm. or the Browns or the Bengals. Um, I, I'm not – I don't know. Mike Tomlin might be the best coach opposite of Andy Reid right now. Um, because, look, I, I, I knock uh, Harbaugh, John Harbaugh, for 
the poor granted he wasn't the one calling the plays but mm-hmm. he still allowed his offensive he can veto yeah right he's still he never called up and you know hey monk what the hell are we doing here yeah why are we not running the ball right he still that's that's what a coach does if you're you're a leader you're uh, a director mm-hmm. you, you got to pull the reins in when you see one of your coordinators going rogue um so you know i i i you know, would put Tomlin and Harbaugh pretty, pretty evenly matched mm-hmm. at the top there. But I mean, I almost feel like what Mike Tomlin has done, sans a quarterback, is more impressive than you know, than what John Harbaugh's done with, you know, Lamar Jackson. So uh, also, you got to throw into the mix whether you like it or want to or not. Aaron Rodgers will be returning. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't ever believe in the Jets. I think they're a failed organization. I think they're a, 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 a team in an organization that continues to, to lose. They're mm-hmm. losers. That's what they are. But they, you know, they did have a, a massive hit to four plays into their season. Yeah. When you, you when you get a, a perennial Hall of Famer, a, a, a guy who's won the Super Bowl, um, go down like that. So I, I think you, you do have to talk about the Jets as contenders um, just because of their quarterback. And, look, that defense still was pretty good. I mean, they, you know, it, it took the fourth quarter for the Chiefs to go in into MetLife and beat the Jets. That, that you yep. know, they, they were down in the fourth quarter to the Jets. Um, so, I, I mean, when we're talking about the East, the Bills, who's going to contend with the Bills, the Dolphins, the Jets, um, I mean, I don't have a whole lot of hope right now for the Patriots. It's going to take them. They're, I think they're in a total rebuild. Take them mode, a while. Right? Uh, they'll probably draft a quarterback this year, and then that process will begin. But, I mean, those 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 seven teams right now is who we're talking about. And then, you, you know, C.J. Stroud, throw him into the mix. Um, you know, we never really saw what, what the Colts could be with their first-round draft pick out of yep. Florida, Richardson. Um you know, it's going to be it's going to be fascinating. Um, is it going to be one of the younger guys like Stroud or Richardson or a guy even coming out of the draft this year um, that's going to contend for with Mahomes? I mean, that's what we're talking about. What quarterbacks can can go toe to toe? Let's let's be fair. What quarterback coach combo can go toe to toe with Andy Reid and, and Patrick Mahomes and at least give them a fight? Um, you know, I. I I think Taylor and Burrow is probably my my number one um, concern, and that's only because the proof is in the pudding with them. They've done it they've three beat, times. Yeah, they've beat the Chiefs multiple times, and so I mean, I think that has to be, you know, your number one contender to to knock the Chiefs off the perch to end that that run at a at, at a three peat. Yeah, I mean. I think that the, the Bengals, I am with you here, that they have to be number one because they're really the only team in the last couple of years that have given all kinds of troubles mm-hmm. to Kansas City. Even this year, that Christmas Eve game, or Christmas, or is New Year's, not Christmas, yeah. New Year's Eve game, the Bengals were up by 10 points, I believe, in that game. Like, they were controlling it early on with Jake Browning, and I almost wonder if Joe Burrow was playing in that game, do they win it? Um, maybe there was more... Uh, laxed behavior in playing Jake Browning than there ever would have been for Joe Burrow, but that's shoulda, woulda, coulda stuff. Uh, The Bengals always seem to give Kansas City trouble when facing them head-to-head. So I could agree with you there that the Bengals have to be number one. They also have to get back to the playoffs. They didn't make it this year. I actually messed up and said there were two AFC North teams. I forgot Pittsburgh made it. So that's three. The Bengals were the only team that did not make the playoffs, and it was down to the wire for them. So they could have sent all of their teams in the playoffs. It would have still been a long shot, but that's how good the AFC North is. In the AFC East, I'll be honest, I, I don't think Buffalo makes the playoffs. I I am right now looking at their home and away games. Of course, the full schedule won't be released until, isn't it like May or something? It's it's down the road here. We do, Post-draft. Not, yeah, it's post-draft. That'll be the next thing really break down with the NFL. They will get... Jacksonville at home, San Francisco at home, 
Kansas City at home. They will get Houston on the road, Indianapolis on the road, the Rams on the road, Seattle on the road, and they will get um, the Ravens and Lions on the road. That's just not even including the AFC East. So they're going to have to get the Jets and the Dolphins home and away. Not worried about New England because they're going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL this year. That is a lot of games that I do not think are going to be either winnable for Buffalo or it's going to be a coin flip. And we saw this year the amount of games they lost that they shouldn't have or shouldn't have early on. I mean, losing to Zach Wilson and the Jets. They've done that back-to-back years now. Losing to Russell Wilson and the Broncos at home on Sunday Night Football. Nearly losing to Tyrod Taylor and the Giants. It's not a team that you can just say, hey, in big games they're going to win it. Because oftentimes they don't. And I'm curious what they're going to do with Stephon Diggs. Because we have never seen Josh Allen without a number one wide receiver. And maybe you can go back to his first couple years in Buffalo. I can't really recall who their number one wide receiver would have been before Stephon Diggs. But Josh Allen wasn't that good that early in his career. The Bills were still kind of in a rebuilding stage. Now it feels like it's do or die time. I know we kind of said last year was the the final year of contention for Buffalo. I'd still extend it a little bit more, maybe one more year. It'll likely come down to if they make the playoffs or not. If they miss the playoffs that window slams shut. I, th- I think when you have Josh Allen as your quarterback, I think you're always a contender. I, a I just, Super Bowl one or just a I mean, if you're talking about making contender. the playoffs. Making the playoffs. Yeah. Okay, I, I think that is fair. But does Buffalo look at it differently if they lose? If they lose, let's say, eight games. Let's say they go nine and eight and miss the playoffs. Do you think that's a look yourself in the mirror it's time to evaluate how we run this team who runs this team and- oh absolutely I mean I, I think the first year that McDermott doesn't make the playoffs he's gone I okay. think that's how little grace he has yeah I mean honestly I I would join that side as well I think he's already on thin ice losing to Kansas City once again of course that's the the reigning Super Bowl champion but it's the same team three times in the last four years for Buffalo. I think his job might have been saved by a, a, a Tyler Bass miss. I mean, true. The fact that that totally disguised the the fact that he called a fake punt in his own territory with a defensive back running the ball. Like that that in yep. itself. That was fireable offense. Absolutely. So I mean, I yes, he is on thin ice. Um but I I just I'm never going to count Josh Allen out. I just the, the guy is a winner, and he he's one of the top tier quarterbacks in the league. So when you have a guy, I mean, let's say you have you have a Lamar Jackson, you have a Josh Allen, you know, a Burrow, Mahomes, or a Stroud right now in the AFC, mm-hmm. you're a contender to make the playoffs every year. Yeah, I, I could I could get on board with Josh Allen making the playoffs the next couple of years, but. To me, I just I think they are a cursed team in the playoffs. I don't think they're ever a legitimate threat. At least that's maybe where I should stand on this. They can make the playoffs. I don't think they are a top four team to dethrone Kansas City. So we both have Cincinnati one. I think Baltimore by default's two because as you and I both agreed on, the AFC North winner is going to be the toughest competitor, that could be Cincinnati or Baltimore. So there's one, two for me. I mean, I think I almost want to throw Cleveland into the mix because of that defense. That defense, yeah. I mean, and then that team looks different, you know. I, they never had a stable quarterback. They had four different quarterbacks right, that played. Right, and they were still, you know, a, a really a damn good team. I, I don't – I mean, that's a team that went into Baltimore and, and beat the Ravens mm-hmm. with Deshaun Watson. Yeah. I mean, so I, I – I don't know what that team looks like with a a stable Deshaun Watson. And what's Deshaun Watson have left? I, I mean, those are questions. But I want to put him into that mix. Like, I almost want to move him ahead of Buffalo because of that defense and the question mark of Deshaun Watson. But I, I don't know if that's, that's you know, is is <laughs> is that just discounting Buffalo because they're just 
they're the team that just fails continuously. Is it, is it not because of that? you can't? They don't deserve your trust. Well, yeah. To be honest with you, I I'm out on Buffalo. <laughs> I really am. I am out on Buffalo. I would almost rather, and this is crazy to say because I know you're going to disagree with this. I would almost rather roll the dice with the Jets next year than I would just put my chips in on Buffalo. I don't think that's crazy. I mean, I I, I don't know if I agree with it. I don't. I mean, my problem with the Jets is the head coach, Robert Sala. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I'm not sold on not that a fan. guy. No, I mean, I think he can, I, I think he's one of the league's best defensive coordinators, put it that way. Yeah, but, but uh, some guys can't be head coaches. Right, right. And so, I, I, but, you know, Aaron Rodgers, I'm a big Aaron Rodgers fan. I, I think that guy is, you know, but he's got one more shot at it, and he's coming off mm-hmm. an Achilles injury, and it's, you know, it's twilight for him. This <laughs> yeah. will dictate if this is it. Or not for him. If he comes back and he's he doesn't play anywhere near the same level, that'll be the final nail in the coffin in his career. Honestly, I, I think we're not even we're looking past the AFC West because I think it, the the main contender might be the the Chargers. Okay, I was I was going to bring that up next and say should we put any merit into an AFC West team um, now that you would consider them to be well coached? Jim Harbaugh coming back. The only reason I would pause is I think this has to be a fire sale season for them. They're they're so tied up in cap hell that they need to start clearing up some money. They have to hit on draft picks, right? So which route do you go? If you're the Chargers, you're trying to compete with the Chiefs. Do you say, let's still go all in on offense? Or do we try to replenish that defense? Khalil Mack making a lot of money. Joey Bosa making a lot of money. Right, they just had to cut J.C. Jackson, who was making a lot of money. Derwin James making a lot of money. Offensively, Austin Eckler is going to be a free agent. Keenan Allen wants to stay, making a lot of money. Mike Williams, making a lot of money, can't stay healthy. I mean, you see a trend here. They all are great players. That's kind of the the frustrating part for the Chargers. These are not easy cuts. These are guys that are good, but you can't keep all of them. It is so so difficult to expect that many guys to stay healthy that many guys to perform you you eventually have to pick and choose who you want to be there long term I'd imagine they'll keep a Keenan Allen I think they would let Austin Eckler walk because uh, they what's crazy to me is that they've got all these financial problems yet it's rumored that they really want Saquon Barkley this offseason like Where's the money going to come from? If it is Barkley, if you want to overpay for a running back, which just feels stupid as hell to do, you got to get rid of a lot of guys that you are playing paying right now. So that's why I'm hesitant on the Chargers. I just don't think that they are a team that is going to make the financial right decision. Also, which is always going to go against them, and I don't care if Justin Herbert's there, if Aaron Rodgers is there, if some of the greatest quarterbacks in the league play there. They are the only team in the NFL that has 17 road games a year. They never have a home field advantage. It does not matter who they play. They could play the Carolina Panthers, and it would probably be 50-50 at that game. It's just so difficult, and I'm not the one saying that. I believe it was, was it Keenan Allen that said that last, not this past year, the year before that. He's like, every game choice is a road game, and it's frustrating because you have the shiny brand new stadium, and it's not... Chargers fans' fault. They were in San Diego, and they moved the team to L.A., where there's now two teams. And I would say both fan bases aren't massive, but the Rams at least show out a little bit more than the Chargers ever do. That's why I don't know if I can put enough stock into the Chargers. As much as I love Justin Herbert, I think Jim Harbaugh was a fantastic hire. They have to figure out a lot financially, and they have 17 road games a year. I, I Winning cures that, though. Winning it that. does, but can they ever win consistently enough for you to buy in? Like, I remember the scariest Chargers team from the time Patrick Mahomes got to the league to now was that Phillip Rivers team that beat them at Arrowhead Stadium on Thursday night football. The, the game-winning pass to Mike Williams, the two-point conversion, like that was the scariest Chargers team, and they lost to New England that year in the AFC Divisional Round. None of the Herbert teams have truly scared me because they always had that level of inconsistency that led you away from sticking with them. Their coaches have just sucked, though. They have, but it's almost like they had overstayed their welcome, right? We liked Anthony Lynn at one point, and then Anthony Lynn overstayed his welcome. 
honestly, as much as I dislike Brandon Staley and the coach that he was, Brandon Staley was beloved after year one. It was like, this is the perfect coach for Justin Herbert. Even though he's a defensive-minded guy, he took this, like, aggressive approach that it was, I'm never going to take my quarterback off the field because he's a great quarterback. And then it didn't work out. He's one of the worst coaches in the league. Harbaugh is good, and I don't think he's going to overstay his welcome, but I do think he's got to win earlier than he thinks. I think that you look at Denver, for example. Sean Payton went in, and I think a lot of people said they're still not going to be that good, but Sean Payton had the Broncos competing for an AFC West title in December. Like, all of a sudden, out of the blue, here came the Broncos. Now they're kind of back to square one because they're going to have a different quarterback this year. It's not going to be Russell Wilson. So the reason, last thing I'll say here, then I'll flip, turn it over to you, I don't know if I can bet on anybody in the AFC West because two of the four teams have new coaches. You're going to have a new quarterback, likely, in Vegas. You're going to have a new quarterback in Denver. And for the Chargers, you're going to have a different team because they've got to make a lot of financial cuts. And that's where, until that stabilizes, I don't know if any of them are true contenders. I I don't know if I can get on board with it. But I do have to pick two other teams here. I've got the Bengals, the Ravens. I'll go. I said to roll the dice with the Jets. I'll keep them at three. Buffalo's my five. And I think I may go Cleveland there as the four. Cleveland or Miami is a wash to me. I'd put them both at a four, and then Buffalo would round it out of the five. Those are my top five contenders to dethrone Kansas City next season. Who are your final teams? Oh, I, look, I, I think I'll go I'll go Bengals. Um, that number two, I mean, I, Bengals-Ravens, just because, I mean, the strength of that team, I, 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 I think that the, the, I think the Ravens had a position where they they had the Chiefs in a place where they, you know, look that game is really a, a strip fumble at the goal line, a difference, and an interception in the end zone, difference, right? So I'll, I'll put the Ravens at two. Um, this might be a, a little, <laughs> a little hasty, but I'll put the Texans at three. Oh, I could have put them at four as well. I changed my answer. I want Houston. At, <laughs> I want Houston at four over Cleveland and and Miami. I I don't believe in Tua. I mean, you, you got to go with quarterback coach combos that I, I'm looking at here, and and so that's I, I'll go with Stroud and Ryan's. Um, I think I'll put Cleveland at four. And even as I try to talk myself into the Chargers, I'll go Buffalo at five. I think those I think those are all fair picks there. I I would like the AFC West to get a little bit more competitive, uh, just for the sake of more primetime games. I would love for the Chiefs Broncos rivalry to be as good as it was this past year. I think the Chiefs Chargers rivalry has tailed off a bit, uh, just because bad coaches for the Chargers. I hope Harbaugh changes that. I he think the, the football I, I, fan, yeah, I'd be shocked if he didn't. Uh, I mean, I I, I think. Th- I think the Chargers are two years away from mm-hmm. putting them into the top five. I, I think your your points are all really valid. <laughs> They're effectively fifty five million dollars over the cap as it rolls over mm-hmm. into next year. So like. They're going to have to do some finagling. They're going to have to, you know, see Harbaugh's going to have to. But the thing is, everywhere he goes, he wins. He does. And I'm going to go with the data when it when it comes to that because it, it's not just you know. Most of the stops he goes to wins. All of them he wins, mm-hmm. and at a high level, you know, at a very high level. So, yep. um, and and I do like. I think Herbert is a fantastic quarterback. I think he's 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 got the talent to be in the top tier. I think you know, it, with the proper coaching and the right players around him, he is in that Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson stable. He reminds me very much. I mean, just in their play style and accuracy. I mean, he's. He's Joe Burrow. I think he's closer to Joe Burrow than really any other quarterback right now. I think play style factors into this. And I mean, I, I like Herbert's arm better than Burrow. I do too. I, I think that Burrow is more precision. Herbert yep. can really wow you right. with what he does. I I thought Herbert was top five before this year. Then losing doesn't help that when your team loses eleven games, you're going to kind of take him out of that conversation. But it's kind of the same thing with Lamar. Lamar after two years ago. Right, he was banged up all year long, and we start we stopped talking about him as a top five guy. We were more so talking about Herbert and Allen and Burrow and Mahomes. 
then Lamar wins an MVP. Like, he can change that quickly, and it could very well for Herbert. I actually am glad that he's finally got the right coach, seemingly the right GM, and we'll see where the Chargers go from here. But those are our top five contenders to dethrone Kansas City next year as the Chiefs go for a three-peat. We'll take our first break of the show. When we come back, KU lost by 30 last night in Lubbock. Bill Self got ejected. It was their worst game in five years. We're going to dive in that next on ESPN Kansas City. I, you know, I didn't curse them. I didn't yell. But I did say a, a magic word, I guess, multiple times. They got me a couple of uh, technicals. I, I, I really wasn't trying to get thrown out. Uh, uh, but, uh, you know, the way things uh, went the game, I, I, I honestly feel the game's not being called the way it needs to be called, regardless if it's our favor or their favor. It makes no difference to me. I, I don't feel like the game's being officiated the way it's intended to be officiated. So so that was frustration, but I felt that all year. So uh, uh, And good officials. You know, good officials is just – uh, uh, I just don't see it the same way that that is being called at all. Well, Bill Self pulled a Norman Dale from Hoosiers last night in the 29-point drubbing at the hands of Texas Tech in Lubbock. Whew. Um, Worst loss in Bill Self's career to a non-ranked team. Yeah. And also and the lowest total point total in his, 50. In his career. 50 KU. points. Uh, there was nothing positive you could have taken away from last night. But I think everybody has seen Hoosiers uh, before. Um, and in that movie, if you don't want me to use the characters' names there, it's fine. I'll use Gene Hackman here. We all know the one scene that he has. When he wants Dennis Hopper to coach the rest of the game, he intentionally gets ejected. You know, like the calls are not great, but in that moment... Gene Hackman just says, I want you to throw me out. That's that's exactly what I think Bill Self was doing, even though he refuted it. Because no coach is going to go in the, the press conference and say, yeah, I wanted to get thrown out in the game. Nobody's going to say that. He was also smiling walking off the floor. I think he knew at that point in time, even though it was absolutely the right call on Hunter Dickinson, an offensive foul, he was more so frustrated about him getting mugged the entire game, and they didn't call it. I don't even think, though, if Hunter Dickinson played well, Kansas comes close to winning that game. This team is incredibly soft. I think I would put it at that. This is not an exaggeration because we've seen Bill Self call his team soft before. This is an extraordinarily soft team. Um, This is the first time, though, they've really been thumped this year. It was... A pretty resounding thump when you lose by nearly 30 to an unranked opponent. Texas Tech is still a top five team in the Big 12. They should be ranked, and they played their ass off in this game. They shot 50% from the floor, 38% from three. They had 10 three-pointers early on in the second half. I mean, they got this performance that I've never seen from a college basketball player. Darion Williams, 30 points, 12 of 12 from the floor, 4 of 4 from deep, 2 of 2 from the free throw line. He never saw the ball miss. 30 points, 12 shots, 38 minutes. That's what Texas Tech got. Nobody else, by the way, scored in double figures. Didn't need to. (laughs) I mean, this was a cataclysmic ass-kicking that Kansas got. Nicholas Timberlake, by the way, was the leading scorer for the Jayhawks. 13 points in this game. You want it even uglier? Dewan Harris, Hunter Dickinson, and K.J. Adams – Combined for 17 points, but I want you to take that with a grain of salt. They made five shots on 30 attempts. They were five of 30 in that game. They got seven points from Almarco Jackson, which was more than Dickinson and Adams. They got seven from Dewan Harris Jr. and 13 from Johnny Furphy. Listen, we all know at this point this team can't play on the road. And I will probably go out there and say this. They might have, and it's a very, very iffy might, they might have one more road win this year. And it might be this Saturday against Oklahoma, but why in the hell would I predict this Kansas team to win against Oklahoma on the road after losing by 30? I do not think they win in Waco against Baylor. I also do not think they beat Houston on the road. 
So what you do is you win the remaining games at home. You beat Texas, you beat BYU, you beat K-State, you stroll into the the Big 12 tournament at 22-9. and You, of course, did not win the Big 12. You win maybe one game in the Big 12 tournament. You likely lose the other. If this is the way you're going to play the rest of the way, 23-10, and you grab that three seed and you go into the NCAA tournament. That would be my take on it. Now, I know they have had some gauntlet of a schedule this season, but it's really not an excuse. And I think that there could be people using excuses for the Tech game last night. No, Kevin McCuller was not out. Listen, if you play for Kansas, you can't lose by 30 in any basketball game. That's that's the rule. Okay, that that is the rule if you are a blue blood, and I know that it can happen. It's college sports. But you cannot tell me that without one player – and I could throw Jamari McDowell into this because he was sick and he couldn't play in this game. You cannot tell me that Kansas was that depleted of talent to lose by 30 in a Big 12 game. You can't convince me that, even if it is the leading score. No, you look across the the roster right now. I don't know who's going to be the one to step up. And the frightening thing for Kansas fans, although I think a lot of Kansas fans after last night have severely lowered their expectation of where this team can go in the NCAA tournament, they're so reliant on their starting five. And when their starting five doesn't play well, it can turn into games like this. Now, this was more of an outlier. This is the first time all year they've had Dewan Harris, K.J. Adams, and Hunter Dickinson all play poorly. And then, of course, Kevin McCuller's not even out there. So there's four of your five starters that were complete non-factors. I mean, Hunter Dickinson had a negative 36 plus minus in this game. He missed more bunnies than maybe he had all year long. And what's even more alarming is Kansas has known these road struggles for a while now. I even throw out their one road win in conference play. They beat Oklahoma State, big whoop. That's one of the worst teams in the conference. But the, the losses haven't looked like this. No, right? no. They've been in those games. And, 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 you know, hats off, like in West Virginia, they shot lights out. In Iowa yep. State, they shot lights out. And Iowa State's undefeated at home this right. year. And, and you know, it, it's it's a trend in this. And I'm not going to blame it on this conference, but a lot of teams that are top ten teams are losing on the road in this conference. They are. I mean, I think last night, unranked teams at, at home against ranked teams moved to 9-3. and three. Right. They were 8-3 and three going into last night. It's just, I, I have a hard time seeing a turnaround from this team. Like, here's the reality. They could win against Oklahoma, Texas, and BYU. Okay, so that's their next three. And you'd feel like that would put them at 22-6. and six. Okay, that that's probably puts them back to where they're at right now. They're going to... Whether they win or lose at Oklahoma, I bet you they fall between the 6 and 10 range. They'll still be top 10. Still in the hunt for that two seed. But everybody kind of knows it's not so much about the Big 12 anymore. It's about where you're going to be in the NCAA tournament. And Texas Tech is a physical team. Uh, I also am not going to be naive to the fact that KU is incredibly banged up. Like Even with Kevin McCuller out, Dewan Harris is not 100%. Right, he had a bad ankle roll. Bad ankle, and I believe Bill Self said Hunter Dickinson has been playing banged up. So there's your your three top players, and now you're having to overcompensate with K.J. Adams, who should not be taking 12 shots in a game. Ever. Um, Ever. (laughs) And, And Johnny Furphy was sick the last week. Now, this is making excuses across the board. I do think that you can maybe understand why they scored 50 because, A, they're losing their leading score. You have two of your starters that are banged up and your three-point specialist who has not been great from beyond the arc over the last three games has been battling an illness. Everything's not really going right for them right now. It's also weird to think that they're 6-5 and five in their last 11. Like, it's not – the sky is not falling. They're not on the bubble. They're going to be a top three seed. But this is kind of the point in the season where you have to go, all right, how much do you really believe in this team? Because I think the frustrating thing is I've seen the comparisons thrown out to the 2018-19 squad, Diedrich Lawson, K.J. Lawson, Charlie Moore. It was Quentin Grimes and Devon Dotson's first year. Yudoka Azubuki got hurt like five games into the year, was out for the year. That team feels very similar to this one. And a five-star freshman that's underperforming, Elmarco Jackson, Quentin Grimes – you have a star that got hurt, Yudoka Azubuki, Kevin McCuller. Uh, your bench, atrocious, unplayable. You had a, a freshman that was really 
bursting onto the scene, Devon Dotson, Johnny Furphy. And then you've got that big transfer that can shoulder a lot of the offensive workload, Dedrick Lawson, Hunter Dickinson. Funny enough, that team lost to Texas Tech by about this margin in Lubbock that same year. They also lost to K-State down in the wire. Um, they won a lot of games. They were actually preseason number one as well, but they were a three seed. They won their first Big 12 tournament or Big 12 uh, I think they won their first two, maybe, Big 12 tournament games and lost to Iowa State. And then they won one in the NCAA tournament and got housed by Auburn. Mm, yeah. I could see it going like that this year if they never get healthy. I mean, that is going to be the way it goes if they never get healthy. The frustrating thing is, though, this team was one of Bill Self's most talented, it felt like, in the preseason. A lot has happened since then. A lot has transpired. And right now, you can see a lot of pressing. Just offensively, the looks are terrible in what they're getting. I mean, now Dewan Harris is firing up contested jumpers. K.J. Adams is living too far outside the goal. He's also missing a ton of bunnies. Hunter Dickinson is missing everything right now. And that is a frustrating element to this. I also think I need to address the fact that this is the best the Big 12 has ever been. And this stretch that Kansas is in that we talked about being a gauntlet, they're 2-2, two and two, and they still have four more ranked opponents to I play mean, even in the last six if they go four and two which let's just give them the road win in, in norman yeah against oklahoma like they're still 11 and seven yeah in the 11 and seven and that would put them at 23 and eight right in the middle of the big 12 I yeah mean, and what's this big 12 tournament gonna look like oh. i mean it's gonna be i mean there's an extra day of games it's gonna i mean good for the for just the college basketball fan in Kansas City because that tournament's going to be phenomenal. Ridiculous. Great game after great game. I also want to bring up the fact that it's going to be even better next year. You had Arizona right. next year to the Big 12. I mean, it is it is such a monster of a conference. And maybe now for Kansas basketball fans, you need to approach it and just say, listen, most of the teams now that KU has are going to be eight or nine lost teams going into the NCAA tournament. In fact, majority of the Big 12 teams are going to have more than five or six losses. You know, the winner of this conference probably will have seven regular season losses, and that'll be really good. Um, but whereas Kansas now is seeing the Big 12 slip away from them, it's just that you can't really count on them to win a big road game. It, it's not there for them. It's not. And we don't know if Kevin McCullough is playing on Saturday. If he's not, they're not going to win that game. I don't know how they're going to play much differently. I think also... With these two road losses they've had now back-to-back in K-State and Texas Tech, although they've lost now four straight road games, those did come after big emotional wins on Saturday. I mean, they got Houston and then immediately had to turn around two days later and play K-State on the road. They beat Baylor without Kevin McCuller, immediately had to turn around two days later and play Texas Tech in Lubbock. The good thing, KU is done with big Monday games. That was the last one. They now will go Saturday, then they'll have a week off, play Texas on Saturday. That's great news for them. Exactly. And then they get BYU not on Monday, but Tuesday. So you get two days of rest, not one. Then you get Baylor on a Saturday, K-State on a Tuesday, and Houston on a Saturday. Even if it's one day, it is one day. It's an extra day's rest. And I think you have to look at with this team, the top-end talent. Like, look at their monster wins. Even though they've been at mm-hmm. home, they've beat some of the Big best wins, teams yeah. in the country. You, I mean, UConn. They're one of two Houston, teams to beat UConn. Right. Houston. Tennessee. Tennessee. I mean, so the top end's there. And I think that's the difference between this team and the team you mentioned from 2018-19. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the difference is that this team at the top end, you know, they, mm. they top end, they are an elite eight team. Yeah. They can make that run to the elite eight. And they're going to have to get a, a good – I think they're going to have to get a very favorable draw because right now what's unfortunate for them is it's slowly slipping away from them to get the Omaha and Dallas region. Right. Well, that would have given KU a home court advantage in both locations. Now it's kind of a toss-up at this point. Even if they are a two-seed, which would be fine uh, by Kansas measures. And sometimes that's okay in the tournament. Sometimes it's better that they go out and they, they don't have – because that, that can be a bear. Yeah, the you know? immense pressure of being the number one overall team. Right. Absolutely, I, I, UConn's going to have that, or Purdue's going to have well, that. Well, even even having a, a home a, a home court advantage on the on the neutral site, yeah, like that can be a a giant pressure. Yeah, 
Uh, you know, especially if you don't have a lead going in late into the game, mm-hmm. and then you, you feel the intensity of your fan base, and you feel, you know, the the sigh of every miss, and, and yeah. that pressure mounds. And sometimes I've seen some of the Kansas teams do better that they go out away. You yep. know, they get shipped out west, and they play in, in Anaheim, and or, you know, and that's, you know, that's been their road sometimes. So I, I think – the thing to hold in, in being that they can get some rest as their schedule winds down and they don't have that. It's a great point. They don't have the big Monday game. Yeah. And that's what this team needs more than anything is rest. And then just kind of get yourself right going into the Big 12 tournament. Put yourself in the best position to put some more W's on your resume. Mm-hmm. And then get healthy going into the NCAA tournament because they have proven that they can beat anybody in the country. They have. I mean, it just it almost feels like since since that UCF game, they haven't won more than two games in a row. And that was coming off a, a massive, massive win streak. And so some of that is psychological. It must be. It must be. And I that's when I kinda of bring up the soft element is I don't think it's so much physical. They got some some big dudes on the team, some very strong players in KJ Adams and Hunter Dickinson. But mentally, if you can't get over that hurdle and you play for Kansas, listen, it you by definition would go down as a soft team because there's a lot of teams that have played that are less talented than this and find ways to grind it out against a K-State and win in Bramlage or not get beat by 30 against Texas Tech on the road. But like we've always said with the Big 12, you got no times to mope. No time to mope. No time to feel bad about yourself, about how injured that you are. They got to get back up on the horse and take on a ranked team on the road in Oklahoma. Tip-off will be at 3 p.m. on Saturday. I'd imagine it'll either be KU by a point in terms of the Vegas spread or Oklahoma's going to be favored in this one. I don't think we're going to find out until Friday afternoon-ish would be my guess. But right now, it's tough to see it without a healthy Kevin McCuller, a healthy Dewan Harris, and a healthy Hunter Dickinson. But don't make an excuse for last night. They got torched by Texas Tech 79-50, to one of the worst games ever under Bill Self as head coach of the Kansas Jayhawks, who, by the way, got ejected in that game, and I think intentionally. But we'll see how this team looks on Saturday. Again, tip-off at 3 p.m. against the Oklahoma Sooners this Saturday. That'll do it for another edition of The Shift on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN Kansas City. I've been your host, Jack Johnson, alongside producer Jake Gutierrez. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 10 AM. You take it easy, Kansas City. Oh, woman, oh, woman, oh, treat me so mean. You're the meanest old woman that I've ever seen. I guess if you say so, I'll have to pack my things and go. <laughs>